Welcome back. Good to have you. The Bill Michaels Show. Rocking on today. Hopefully you're enjoying your day. As uh, we get into the final hour, we're only about uh, 15 minutes away. Mike Clemens is going to be joining us. We'll talk about the OTAs and such from yesterday and what the Packers have going on. Mike was up in Green Bay, so we'll get his thoughts on all of this coming up here shortly. So uh, looking forward to that. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. You want to hit us up, feel free to go ahead and give us a shout. We appreciate it uh, when you do. Uh, a lot of talk and speculation about whether or not Jordan Love should or should not have a ton of pressure on him in today in uh, coming into the season because of basically, uh, you know, the uh, – taking over for Aaron Rodgers, uh, being uh, trading up to get him in the first round and such, uh, you know, getting the, uh, if you want to call it a contract extension, uh, getting a little bit of the money, you know, how, how, how much pressure should be on Jordan Love? I thought it was an interesting question earlier today. Some people agree, some people don't, depending on what your thought process is. Uh, some say, hey, look, just leave him alone. Leave him alone. Let him, let him kind of fall into the uh, – into the position himself and land the way he uh, he's most comfortable. Others say no. I mean, there's uh, there's a, a tradition of success and winning in Green Bay, and that tradition and success of winning is not going to stop because you've got a first year guy under center. So, depending on what uh, side of the side of the fence you fall on, I guess that's your prerogative. I did. I still expect uh, seven, eight, maybe nine wins. Ben's a little bit more optimistic with eleven wins, but regardless. I, I think uh, that there's there's a level of pressure there that um just it, it naturally comes with the territory, for lack of a better term, it just does. So if you want to chime in, feel free, give us a shout. We'd love to hear from you. If you uh, if you uh, you know got something to say, bring it. Uh, Brewers winning right now. Hauser's thrown score four scoreless inning. Brewers are up two to nothing uh, down at, uh, down at uh, American Family Field. And uh, like I said, coming up here in about ten minutes, we're going to talk with our own Mike Clements. Tom says, uh, "Hey guys, why are we talking so much about Jordan Love? If Jordan Love is just average and the defense is good at all, this team's going to win at least eight to nine games. Shouldn't we talk about the pressure being more on Joe Barry? Tom, uh, we've talked about that. Yes." We, but the only reason we brought this up with Jordan Love is because there was the discussion earlier today about the quarterbacks in the NFC that have the most pressure on them. And uh, Dan Orlovsky of ESPN on Get Up this morning said the most pressure in the NFC is on Jordan Love, taking over for the legend, and as they said, running the legend out of town, getting the contract extension, never has taken, and never has taken a snap, but they traded up to get him and such. So he said he has the most pressure. Now, I think it's Dak Prescott, and overwhelmingly, I'd look at Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott, another guy that when he got paid, I thought they fell on on their head. Some of these quarterbacks they're paying are not that good. You're paying on some of the glimpses of potential you've seen, but the question always is, 
Can they bring you back in big moments, and can they win in big moments? You know, like Justin Herbert's going to get paid. We know that on what potential he has. But Justin Herbert hasn't won anything. Joe Burrow's going to get paid. He took a, a bad organization to a Super Bowl. He's going to get paid. I mean, he's shown leadership. He's won a national title. He's been there, done that. He's gone toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes, no problem, and fared better than a guy like Josh Allen. So Joe Burrow is going to get paid. Justin Herbert, I wouldn't pay him as much as Joe Burrow, I'll tell you that. He's going to get paid, but I wouldn't be breaking the bank for Justin Herbert. Some people will blame it on coaching. Okay, I can go along with that. I can look at the coaching staff and say, yeah, certainly they could they could be better. But if I had to pay a quarterback right now in the National Football League, if I had to pay some serious cash out, I would probably go Patrick Mahomes first, maybe Joe Burrow second. I know others would disagree if you're a Josh Allen fan or uh, Jalen Hurts, certainly. Jalen Hurts has taken the Philadelphia Eagles to a Super Bowl. You could maybe go in that direction. Ben, if you're going to pay one or the other, Joe Burrow or Jalen Hurts, who are you paying? Probably Joe Burrow. Even though, I mean, when you look at their careers, too. how different are they? Joe Burrow missed a year with his ACL. Hurts has missed games here and mm-hmm. there with various ailments. Both have gone to a Super Bowl. I think mm-hmm. both are ascending. Probably Burrow, but I think it's a 1A, 1B situation. Yeah. Um, there's, when you start to look, I mean, I don't know another quarter. If I'm, you know, the old adage is, if you're going to start a a franchise today, okay. If I'm going to start a franchise today, I I think it's Patrick Mahomes hands, hands down. Joe Burrow would probably be number two. After that, Jalen Hurts, maybe. Josh Allen, maybe they battle for number three. Who else would you go with? Trevor Lawrence showed a lot of moxie and a true. I mean, his rookie season was just trash because of the whole Urban Meyer experience. I don't know what to make of Trevor Lawrence at this point, but Trevor Lawrence showed a lot of moxie down the stretch. Would you would you go Jalen? Uh, would you go uh, Justin Herbert or Trevor Lawrence? And, you know, if you're going to go with your right here, right now, top five quarterbacks you'd start a franchise with, Mahomes, Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Herbert, Trevor Lawrence. Would you go in that direction? Would you go Tua, Josh Allen? Like we said, it's going to be a proving year for Mac Jones. I mean, this is this is this is coming down to the wire for him. I'm not going with Dak. Justin Fields. Justin Fields has a lot to prove. I know that they feel in Chicago like he's an next coming, but he's probably the best quarterback they've seen since McMahon. And McMahon brought energy and a few accurate throws and a lot of moxie and a lot of toughness and heart. But He's probably he's probably in that ilk. But who would who would be the next guy you'd think about, you know, starting a franchise with? Bryce Young hasn't proven anything yet. Caleb Williams? 
<laughs> well, next year, Caleb Williams hasn't been in the NFL yet, but maybe next year. But yeah, think about that. 877-867-1670 uh, out of the email inbox, which is thebillmichaels at gmail.com, thebillmichaels at gmail.com. Uh, Rick says, uh, hey, guys, uh, if I'm going to start a franchise, I'm going to go with Joe Burrow. He has a lot of the a lot of the attributes as Aaron Rodgers, the Joe Cool aspect, yet he is still humble the way Rodgers was early on in his career. I think he's going to be better than Rodgers. I would go with Joe Burrow, then Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes gets it done with physicality and heart. He reminds me a lot of Far, but a more accurate passer. Um, no, Patrick Mahomes has a lot of those qualities. Put it this way. I'm going with Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes has been there, done that, and won. I get what you're saying. I understand it. But if I had to sit, and, and like I said, if I had to sit here today and say this is what I'm going to start my franchise with, I'm going with Patrick Mahomes. That's just what I would do. Kelsey says, uh, if you're going to get more weapons for Jordan Love, where would you put Jordan Love in that list? Well, we don't know what the weapons he has now are. You know, Christian Watson's got speed. Jaden Reed can be a good asset. I don't know what Romeo Dubs and Samari Turi are gonna gonna give you. And then obviously when you you know, you went out and you picked up not one but two tight ends, both of which are pass catchers and who you believe can be assets to your ball club. I mean I you know with with Tucker Craft and Musgrave, I both of those guys you just don't know what you have in them just yet. So I don't, when you say go out and get, are you talking about free agent weapons? Um, this, uh, who's this one? This is from, uh, this is from Grant. Grant says, Hey Bill, how much better do you think Lamar Jackson's going to be this year with OBJ? I, that's a great question because that allows him to be a passer. And one of the biggest arguments for Lamar, he's a run first quarterback. And a lot of these quarterbacks that are run first are running quarterbacks, athletic quarterbacks, they tend to tuck the ball, but he's also – he hasn't had a plethora of guys to throw to. They did try to upgrade the wide receiver position for the Baltimore Ravens. So they're trying to keep him in the pocket. Otherwise, he's going to end up getting killed, and he's going to end up you know, injuring that knee even worse. And, you know, ultimately he's not going to be around to, you know, to, uh, to earn, I'll say. Not collect, but earn the money that uh, he is getting paid in Baltimore. So I, that, that's a great question, how much better he'll be as a – I've never been a big fan of him as a pocket passer. He's not – the most accurate cat out there, at least hasn't been in the past. But a lot of the times he's been throwing on the run. So if you want to give him the benefit of the doubt in that aspect, you can say you're, you know, via movement, you're, you're, you're not setting your feet, you're not, you know, proper protection and proper passing, you know, form. When you're on the run, it's going to be a little off target. You're expecting guys to go and make plays, and he hasn't had those guys around him. So maybe keeping him in the pocket, maybe giving him some better weapons to throw to, you would assume then that his completion percentage and accuracy would then go up. Maybe he becomes a better quarterback because of it. But, I mean, the first thing he needs to do is get an offensive line that's going to protect him so he doesn't have to get outside and run so often. 877-867-1670. When we come back, Mike Clemens is going to join us, and we'll talk to Mike about the OTAs and about the Packers and about – 
getting uh, the NFL draft and such. So all of that stuff coming up. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Pottawatomie Hotel Casino. Go to PaysBig.com. That is PaysBig.com. Whether it's uh, making the big money, going down there, say, to a dream dance, down to the steakhouse, and getting something good to eat. The 360 bar is fantastic. You've got bingo, which is back. You've got a lot of events down there. Or just an overnight stay overlooking the city of Milwaukee and enjoying the hotel. Pottawatomie Hotel and Casino goes to PaysBig.com. That is PaysBig.com. Dot com. Mike Clemens joins us next on the Bill Michael Show. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Uh, it has been uh, a great week, uh, not only for the Packers, but uh, the greater Green Bay community and actually really the entire state uh, of Wisconsin to be selected to host the 2025 draft right here in Green Bay and Wisconsin. And we greatly appreciate the work of so many people within the organization. Ah, there's those sounds. That's the NFL draft. It's coming to Green Bay. 2025 is when it's all going to culminate. And uh, a lot of people excited about it. I'm excited. Stuff coming to the uh, coming to the area. So uh, excited about eventually the Green Bay Packers hosting uh, the 2025 NFL draft. Joining us now on the hotline, our guy Mike Clemens. Michael, how you doing, pal? Good. Yeah, the Packers had a one-hour press conference today that we covered. Uh, in one of those uh, sweet areas up by, by the atrium. And, you know, they've been working on this. There's a guy named Brad Toll that's in the Visitors Bureau that said the the day that the league announced, you know what, after 40 years we're pulling out a Radio City Music Hall in downtown New York and, and we're going to take this out on the road, um, he started Googling, all right, well, what are the requirements? Well, how much would it take? How many hotels would he have to make? And then he called over to the Packers office to, you know, some of the vice presidents there and things, and and they said, you know, we were thinking about that too, man. Maybe we could bring this to Lambeau Field. So they've been working for years on this. And you, and you know Aaron Popke, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. Aaron has been with a team of a couple other people finding out that he has gone out to these drafts and scouted them, you know, people from the Packers, um, you know, six out of the last seven or eight years, like to Cleveland and to Dallas and places where they've held them, Chicago, just to watch and see, all right, where would the stage go? Where would the bands go? You know, where where do people park? Where do people stay? Where do you, where do you put the mm-hmm. players? All the kinds of concerns you have to put on this show. And really, it's a big TV show. And so that's part of the reason they're they're sitting here today now that they're going to get this thing in a couple of years in Green Bay. So where are they going to put yeah, no. all of these fans, Mike? They they talk about all this different stuff coming to Green Bay. So where are they going to put everybody, do you think? Yeah, right. I mean, because people have asked, fans have asked, Packer fans have asked, hey, we're so proud of Lambeau Field. It's one of the best stadiums in the National Football League in the world. Why can't we host a Super Bowl? And like we talked about yesterday, and I confirmed this with Mark today, the league asks for 100,000 hotel and motel rooms within a 50-mile radius of the stadium where the Super Bowl game is going to be played. Green Bay and the Fox River Valley for 50 miles, that they only have 25,000 hotel rooms. So now you turn around and you say, all right, they estimate that this thing could bring in anywhere from 94 to 
$100 million, like six times the amount of a regular season game, that this could have an, a positive economic impact for not only Green Bay but for the state of Wisconsin. And it's like, well, well great. So, you know, we asked Murphy, where are you going to put all these people? Yeah, no, I, I was just going to say, obviously this is going to be a different draft than, say, the draft in Chicago or Kansas City. Um, one of the, probably the biggest issue I think that people have thought about is hotel rooms. Uh, but, you know, I think with a couple things, it's people are going to drive a little farther, stay a little farther than they would in bigger cities. Uh, but, you know, for events like the Ryder Cup, I think we've shown that we can do that across the state. And... Uh, you know, we've had some discussions. I don't know where they are with uh, assuming the ice has melted, uh, Lake Michigan, maybe having some cruise ships. And uh, so we've had some discussions also with Amtrak about the possibility of uh, having running train service up from, uh, from Milwaukee. So we're working across the state and off a number of different things to, to make it, uh, you know, as easy as possible for fans to come here. I keep thinking, Mike, about the stage inside Lambeau or at Titletown with Lambeau in the background, or is it going to be inside at the rest center? I mean, so how, how is this all going to come about? Yeah, I thought that they would put it inside, you know, the big atrium. That was kind of a vision of Bob Harlan 20 years ago when they put on all those additions in the stadium, but it's not big enough. And we're across the street from Lambeau Field, right across from Oneida, it's where the, the players and the coaches walk by every day when they go into the Hudson Center or onto the different various fields for practice, is that new Resch Expo Center. You know, they tore down the old one, put a whole new big one up in the Brown County Arena and everything. Uh, but, you know, the Packers were asked that. Um, Gabriel Dow, she's the vice president of marketing for the team. She's really been working on this stuff a lot, and she was asked, where do you think they're going to have that big NFL stage where Goodell will be there, who just got an extension, by the way, uh, and he'll be there to shake mm. the hands and hand the jersey to these first-round picks? And here's what she said. Uh, yes, we have given the NFL suggestions. So, um, you know, whether it's inside or outside the stadium, it's really their decision. So, um, I mean, we would love to probably have it inside of Lambeau Field and utilize that, that area. But, again, it's really it's up to the NFL. The stage is about 100 yards across. Yeah. Yes, Dallas. And so they used half of the building in Dallas basically for the stage um, because of the backdrop. Um, as of right now, Mike, the way I would look at it is April 2025. It should be Thursday night, April 24th, most likely would be the draft, correct? Well, yeah. You know, the the when depends on on things, right? Maybe because of the weather. You know, she, when she just said, talked about the stage, those stages can sometimes be as long or as wide as 100 yards. So that means you would put the stage, let, let's say, along the visitor's sideline inside Lambeau, right? Instead of the end zone, you'd put it along the visitor's sideline. So you'd be looking at half the stadium, maybe toward the press box side or the the home field side, so you could have people on on the on the ground on the field, the actual field, and then up in the stands. And who knows? Maybe they even utilize some of the suites. I don't know if they're thinking about that or whatever. But that that's where a lot of the observers could be, you know, watching this stuff take place. The next thing is, you know, yeah, it's a Thursday night in April, and you know, every every draft weekend. See, I spend the draft here in Green Bay because we want to talk to the team GM the scouts, the coaches, 
uh, as the picks come in. And the, and the team also connects us on a teleconference with Packer players that they had just drafted. There's no reason for me to be at Kansas City or back in the day at Radio City Music Hall. Uh, you know, it's it's just a TV mm-hmm. show there. So uh, so today they were the, the, the Packers were asked, Gabriel and Mark were asked about, you know, what about the weather and 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 what date do you think the league is going to come to Green Bay and set up the NFL draft? Three different dates the league has uh, suggested. So we put all of them on hold um, with all our partners. And uh, I'm assuming they're going to choose the very last week. <laughs> so Peter O'Reilly from the league, uh, he and I were talking. I said, and uh, I said, Peter, what if it snows? He goes, that would be great. <laughs> Well, I, I don't know if it'd be great. It certainly would be scenic if it's one of those snows like the snow globe we've seen. But if it's one of those cold, blowy, windy, blustery days, nobody, nobody's going to want that. On to football chatter, though. There is at least a little bit of a buzz in the locker room about the Packers hosting the 2025 NFL Draft, right? Yeah, I thought this was a pretty frank answer from your new QB1, you know, uh, Jordan Love. And he was asked his reaction to the NFL Draft coming to – Title Town to Green Bay, Wisconsin. Oh yeah, that's awesome. I think that would be pretty cool to get everybody out here. Um, I'm not sure how uh, many hotels we'll have for everybody out here, but uh, it, it'll be nice to be hosting the draft. Hey Mike, real quick before we go to break, I know this is something that Mark Murphy's been working on a long time. Uh, this will be like kind of the final feather in the cap before the swan song, and he he walks away as the team president. And do you get the sense that, you know, he's done everything business wise, uh, expansion wise, title town wise, and now bringing can't bring a Super Bowl to Green Bay, but at least he brought the NFL draft to Green Bay, and he was on the receiving end of picking up a Lombardi Trophy as well. Obviously, you'd like more, but he's accomplished about everything he could possibly accomplish in Green Bay in his tenure, right? Yeah, there was the there was the, the 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 passing of the torch, a baton handoff between Bob Harlan, who you know years later Bob Harlan talked about stuff he had to do, or they were going to have to start taking out loans to keep up with the, with the league. As much money as these guys get from revenue sharing and from the networks bidding, and now the streaming, you know, revenues they're getting, still they're all kind of competing and fighting with each other. And uh, and so Harlan had to make those improvements to the stadium, which now happens in all sports for sponsorships, for you know luxury seating, suites, that kind of thing. And the next step then was Murphy to come in and now start saying, what else can we add to the zip code? You know, people want to be close. They want to build their restaurants, their offices, uh, their their condo apartments and stuff near Lambeau Field. And so right now, I mean, there's these huge cranes overhead when you walk in. They're dropping in the new giant scoreboard. They're improving the coaching and the GM offices. They got a new indoor, you know, practice facility, and of course, you know, Ben Kenny's favorite, yes! the underground parking for the for the players. They got to put but, the stage down there, Mike. Come on, they could put it in new. the underground parking. There's a parking garage. <laughs> Look to show that off, but 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 Bill and Ben, like three blocks away, there's like three or four more. I don't know if they're condos or hotels. They're four or five stories up. I mean, it's just the building here is unbelievable, and it, Green Bay is changing, you know, and growing that way. And then when you add something as big as an NFL draft, you know, you're what did he say? Like 50, 000, 50 million viewers 
over the course of three days. You do you just do all that publicity for the the uh, you know the heritage of the stadium and Lombardi's Packers, what they did here, and then just Green Bay is a place to you know work and live and and attract new businesses. So that, that's the big picture, and and it's not just Murphy though. Really, you get the sense of how competitive people in in Green Bay are to want this stuff to happen in their town. Mike, let's do this. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. Mike Clemens is joining us, and when we come back, we're going to start to talk a little bit more about uh, you know the OTAs, the team, the direction things are going, life after Aaron Rodgers as it's now underway in Green Bay. More of the Bill Michaels Show coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The first couple installs have a lot of volume to them as well. So it's not necessarily the easiest on our guys, but you do get a true sense of kind of where they're at. These guys think on their feet. And you can see with some of the younger groups, there was a little indecision in terms of getting in and out of the huddle. And that, that is just, that's part of the process. Welcome back. Good to have you. Those are the words of Matt LaFleur. As the Packers OTAs are underway, this portion of the program, and Mike Clemens, brought to you by our friends at the Bay Motel in Green Bay. Quiet, cozy, comfortable, and a terrific place. You just go, relax, get ready for the game, after the game, that kind of thing. They're up in Green Bay, obviously, in the Bay Family Restaurant featuring homestyle cooking seven days a week. That's the Bay Motel, Green Bay, South Military Avenue. Call them 920-494-3441, 920-494-3441, or simply go to baymotelgreenbay.com. That is baymotelgreenbay.com. Bring Mike Clemens back in. And so, Mike, uh, you know, all the eyes. I was talking earlier today uh, during the show because ESPN and Dan Orlovsky says the most pressure on any, any NFC quarterback this year is on Jordan Love because he they traded up to get him. It started the clock ticking on Aaron Rodgers. They ran him out of town. He's gotten a contract extension. So he's got to prove himself. So it's all the eyes are now on Jordan Love. Yeah, Bill, you asked me when I last I was on the show a great question about, you know, where's the pressure in Green Bay? Is it on Jordan's shoulders? You know, is it on Gutekinst, you know, for what he's put together for roster? And I, and I, I put it on, on Matt LaFleur. But I'll tell you what, if you ask me, the pressure's on the New York Jets and Aaron Rodgers. They're the one that made the big trade. They're the one that are footing the bill now for Aaron Rodgers. You know, the Packers got so much of that money off of their books, you know, that's a guy who's, and he's in New York. Uh, I, there's a different feel here now, and I don't know what it is. I, I, I don't know what it is, but there's, this. first of all, when you walk in this place, as you know, there's always a buzz here. There's always kind of a, all right, you know, you got to be on your toes. It's kind of a military feel. It's the ghost of Lombardi. I don't know what it is. It's always got that, but it is different, and, 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 you know, the fact that Aaron's moved on, there's just more of an, I don't know, equality or something. Because, like, when you see Jordan walking around in the, hall, in the locker room, guys are coming up to him left and right and slapping hands and laughing and joking, and they're talking and pointing over things. They're just, you know, the 800-pound elephant's out of the room, basically, and it, there, there's a different feel. But yesterday, so we get into practice. They let us in the Hudson Center. The players are warming mm-hmm. up. And then after a period or two, then uh, LaFleur says, all right, well, come on, let's take it outside. 
sunny, 75, maybe a 20-mile-an-hour wind. And, and we got to see a whole bunch of 11-on-11. And, and, you know, it starts off with, you know, the defense is flying around. Keyshawn Nixon is back there. Darnell Savage is making plays. Kenny Clark is, you know, is, uh, is over Sean Ryan, you know, the, the, the draft pick from last year that got suspended for substance abuse. He's snapping a lot. You know, they're working him in at center. And then, and then you see them release number nine. Here's Christian Watson. Okay, here's the big guy with the speed on, on a go route downfield. And you think, oh, here it goes. And then Jordan steps and chucks it 45, 50 yards in the air, except it's triple coverage. Like Keyshawn and Darnell Savage, they know what's going on. He was like in triple coverage. And these guys are all jumping up. And they deflect the ball. They're like, oh, this is going to be a long day for the offense. So Jordan Love was asked, you know, this was mm-hmm. a real fast pace, the way they were throwing the plays for you at this you know, early practice in OTAs. And it looked a little chaotic at times, right? It is chaotic right now. It's our second practice. Everyone has a lot of energy out there, a lot of juice. Everyone's trying to make plays. Um, and also not being in pads, like going live without pads. It's up front, it's a little chaotic. Um, but I think everybody's doing a good job. You know, it's, we were competing out there today. You know, there was a couple plays where, um, you know, people ended up on the ground, things like that. It got a little shippy. You don't want to see that, but it's good to see everybody competing with that. Now, Mike, um, we know that, you know, Aaron Rodgers brought a certain level of intensity, uh, of knowledge, obviously, uh, of you had to perform at a certain level for him to kind of respect you. So, you know, you would assume they're going to be, you know, as much as they're going to be soft with Jordan Love and the specter of Aaron Rodgers and all that intensity is gone, they're also going to be very hard on him to make sure that, you know, everybody knows they made the right move, that they, they, they traded up to get him, that this is the guy that's going to lead them into the next, hopefully, decade, right? Yeah, and, and that's exactly, because that's the feeling that you had at yesterday's practice, like, man, they are throwing the kitchen sink at this guy right now. And so we asked, Love, do you get the sense, you understand that LaFleur and your offensive coordinator, Adam Stenovich, and your quarterback coach, Tom Clements, it's going to be, you know, tough love on you right now? Yeah, no, I think it starts up top. I think, you know, Matt does a great job. He demands a lot out of me. He's done that since I've been here. Um, you know, in the quarterback room, Tom and Steno, they both demand a lot out of quarterback position and me and myself. Um, but I think, you know, the vets have been, that have been here, been able to see it. Um, they do a great job just holding me to that standard as well. Um, you know, if something's not going perfect, you know, they pat me on the back, tell me it kind of pick it up um, and things like that. So they do a great job. As much as we're going to talk about Jordan Love, it's also the young guys that are now around him and all the weapons, which bringing in Jaden Reed and Watson and everybody else and the new tight ends and such, I mean, everybody's going to have to pick it up to be successful. Romeo Dobbs made a nice catch over the middle. As the practice went on, the chemistry and the timing got better with each rep in practice. And then they kind of got in the red zone. And I don't think they were making any any easier on the offense. I just think that the offense was starting to find it after some long periods of 11-on-11 you know, team scrimmage. And then, to me, Bill, besides Aaron Jones, you know, with some nice runs out of the backfield, um, I started looking at the receivers, and you had uh, Datavian Wicks, the kid that they picked in, was in the seventh round out of Virginia. He's number 13. He's big, like 6'1". He made some nice catches over the middle. And then Jaden Reed, he's wearing number 11. Now, that's the guy that they took, what, like at the end of the second round. He's got 
the Packers clocked him. He had a, a slower time at the combine, but the Packers clocked him at four three seven, and the, and he wears number eleven. He looked like he belonged. And we asked him about how much of the of the Packers running you in the slot. Um, yeah, a lot of slot and a little bit of outside. So you know, it's kind of similar to college, but I'm more pr- primarily in a slot now. So it's a little different. I like working in space, and I think. Uh, I'll fit in, you know, in the NFL, you know, playing in the slot and everything, and also rotating outside. So, um, Defensively speaking, Mike, as much as we talk about the offense, they're going to have to support the offense via the defense. And the secondary was good to see Stokes obviously out there, but the other guy that uh, had a down season last year that's going to have to have a bounce-back season is Darnell Savage Jr. Yeah, and you're, I guess they're not bringing back uh, Adrian Amos mostly over money. Uh, and and maybe age, although I think that Smash is still a pretty good football player. They drafted one safety. But Darnell Savage, man, this was a former first-round pick, too, and was a player at Maryland who played all over the field and had a good rookie season as well. And then last year, I mean, well, we know that he just, like, gave up on a tackle on Josh Allen. But he's also seen to be lost in coverage. And I thought he was very frank with us yesterday about by the time that they got to like week 12, and they were going to go into Philly and take on the best team in the NFC, the Eagles, why they benched him for Rudy Ford. And and he says, you know, between whatever Joe Barry and Jerry Gray, the secondary coach, were dialing up, he didn't like his assignments. What we do as a defense, what I was asked to do then versus what I'm asked to do now. So I kind of got to look at bits and pieces of it. But really the, the biggest thing you just go back to is just the, the, the aura or the vibe that you feel when you're, you're in that moment. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's definitely been an experience for me. Just like I said, I felt like I learned so much about myself, you know, um, stuff that I never even, you know, even thought about because I, I get frustrated. Yeah. You know, if I'm not out there changing the game, I get frustrated. You know, uh, and that's one thing that, that I've had to learn. You know, they tell me you got to do your job before you can, you know, go out there and make plays. But me, I feel like I can make every play. So I, I, I'm out there thinking and I'm, I'm worried about this and worried about that instead of just, just going to do it because I can. So, you know, it's just kind of a just a, a silent confidence. As I was saying earlier, Mike, uh, you get Savage back, and then the, the most, uh, you know, one of the most welcome sights was seeing Stokes on the field working out yesterday, too. At least on the field, because, you know, he went down that same game in Detroit on Ford Field where Sean Gary suffers the torn ACL. Eric Stokes, another one of your top picks with the great speed on the corner. Um, he ended up having, you know, it was listed as a knee and ankle injury, but he told us actually he had knee and foot surgery in late November. And if that's what he's dealing with, how can he be ready for training camp in July? Depends, it depends on how I feel. And it depends on how I go. Like, hey, if I'm ready, I'm ready. If I'm not, it's no, it's pretty much no rush. So you had the Liz Frank in the foot. What, what'd you do to your ankle? Um, I didn't do anything to my ankle. It was just pretty much the whole foot the whole time. It, it, it was just a little Frank. I had a little Frank and a meniscus in my knee. Uh, is there one of those right now that's like ahead of the other in terms of the recovery? I mean, like the meniscus was easy. Like, yeah. I mean, like, bro, if it was just the meniscus, I would have been back probably before the season. Okay. Who, who really knows? But like, it just really, pretty much, it's the foot. Like, the foot will take time. The foot will take. It'll take a little minute. You got to go slow with those things too, Mike. Those things, uh, you know, when you start putting screws in the feet, remember it was a, a couple of different draft choices that um, that uh, Ron Wolf had that uh, Freddie Vincent had pins in the feet and the least Frank, and it, it just was, you know, if you don't. 
All right, sorry about yeah. that. Some some connection stuff with with Bill out there, but um, yeah, it's, well, no, it's, I know it's, what he's, I know I know what he's saying, uh, and, and as a matter of fact, you know, we we I've talked about this time, this moment toward the end of the season, when I'm in the locker room, and there's Eric Stokes, one of the fastest guys on the team, and he's there at his locker in a wheelchair, and so we asked him, you know, what can you physically do now that you couldn't. You know, last time that we saw you around in the facility in December and January. Um, shit, I could walk. Sorry, <laughs> shit, I, <laughs> shit, I, you know what I'm saying? I couldn't walk until about ooh, about mid about mid January. So that's something new. But like uh, getting back to running, getting back to moving around, getting back to break cutting and all this stuff. Finally, put on cleats for the first time since my injury last week. So it's like little small little goals that I got in mind that I keep approaching and keep checking off. I'm yeah, Mike, it's – well, it's tough because, you know, everyone talks about how eight first-round picks right on Joe Barry's defense, but Stokes is one of them with Gary where the big question is what are they actually going to be able to do. But it seems to be good news, good updates that came yesterday. Saw Rashawn running uh, some light sprints along the sideline, so, you know, that's where he's at. But as for Eric Stokes, he's always such a you know, outgoing, goofing around, having fun kind of guy. How do you, you know, we asked him, how do you keep your spirits up while you're in a wheelchair? And, and, and how much hardware did they leave in your right leg? Oh, uh, no, nah, I just had a little couple of screws, a couple of plates in there, you know, it is what it is. But like, but like my biggest thing is like, I'm going to keep my same attitude no matter what. Like the guys know me, I'm a goofy, I'm a joke ball, I'm a, I'm a laugher, I'm a smile. Like that's me. Like, I'm not finna change it. I'm not finna do any of that. So like even through my downfall, I wasn't finna show nobody like, hey man, it is what it is. Mike, I got to ask before we hit break, what does the initial eye test say about Lucas Van Ness? Uh, fast, really fast. As a matter of fact, Hercules, Etling, is, is that a comparable word? No, Danny Etling was, uh, was taking a snap, and, you know, I think he was back there for about two, two and a half seconds, and Van Ness beat his outside tackle, I don't know if it was Caleb Jones, so badly that he just kind of, okay, you know, he would have killed him. And, he, he, I mean, he just he looked at the coaches and they're like, yeah, fine, yeah. We understand, it's a sack. Thank you for letting the kid throw the, <laughs> complete the play and throw the pass. Yeah, he's extremely fast, he's big, and he's a handful. Awesome. Sweet. All right, well, uh, let's do this. We'll step away. We'll get Bill back on the horn, and we will close it out next. Mike Clemens with us. It's the Bill Michael Show. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Peter O'Reilly from the league. Uh, he and I were talking. I said, and uh, I said, Peter, what if it snows? He goes, that would be great. <laughs> Words of Mark Murphy talking about the NFL draft coming to Lambeau Field. Mike Clemens joining us on the hotline final segment of the program. So, Mike, uh, one of the other things that was discussed in the owners' meeting was this whole thing about flexing games to Thursday nights, and it's still it's something that doesn't sit well with the players. It doesn't sit well with the fans. Uh, we all love Thursday night football. We, we can't get enough of it, but not a big fan of flexing a game to Thursday night. No. Th- football players, their coaches, a lot of the vendors – they don't, you know, they're not crazy about Thursday nights. Uh, you know, particularly the guys that play the sport. Nobody likes it. No player likes a Thursday night game because of the turnaround time to get their bodies ready to play. 
And, you know, Mark Murphy for the Packers and the Morrow family from the Giants, they stood up. It's like, hey, we're sorry that Amazon's not happy that they got a lot of dog games last year. Two losing teams, or even worse, a really good team against a losing team, and it's a blowout by the, you know, by halftime. And Murphy talked about why he descended, why he was against flexing NFL games from Sunday nights to Thursday nights, you know, with the schedule and the, the season already underway. You know, it's really, especially for uh... – you know, for us and our fan base, so many of our fans, uh, you know, travel in, spend the weekend. It's not like, you know, in the bigger cities where everybody, uh, you know, lives and lives and doesn't have to stay in a hotel. Just, uh, I just thought it was really, uh, yeah. I think John Mara used the term abusive, but just really unfair to to our fans to have to make the, you know, the decisions and, you know, uh, think you're, think you're going to have a Sunday game and all of a sudden it's a Thursday night. And uh, just the way our fans travel, I thought it was a real inconvenience for them. It's not great for coaches or players. And, you know, when you have kind of when your schedule set, you set out the whole season and this is how what our schedule and practice schedule look like. And then, you know, making changes is, is disruptive and, uh, from the player's perspective, you know, the short weeks are physically very demanding, and the more of those you have, I think, it, you know, that causes issues. The other one, Mike, uh, was the fair catch rule, and we all know that uh, the NFL is, you know, has used kickoffs as a way to say they're going to worry about player safety, but yet they want to flex games to Thursday night, which I still don't understand. But that being said, um, you know, Keyshawn Nixon, I thought had a great, uh, you know, when, when all this came out that they were going to put these fair catches like college rules in for kickoffs, he said, I, I don't know what a fair catch is, which was fantastic. And it made me smile. But, uh, how is this, do you think going to affect, uh, strategy wise special teams? Matt LaFleur wants to play football and he wants to have kickoffs and guys return it and, you know, try and take it to the house. Cause he's got a guy like Keyshawn Nixon. So you could hear him biting his tongue when he was react to this fair catch on a kickoff return concept i think time time will tell i know it's it's been um you know part of the college game certainly always looking for ways to make our players more safe and apparently the injury data suggests that this was a necessity um i, I don't really want to get into my personal thoughts on the rule but um you know we'll adjust Mike, good stuff. So what was your takeaway of the OTAs now that all the Packers have reconvened and, and you know, it's, you know, life after Rodgers, I guess, is the best way to put it. Uh, you know, uh, is that and the, the coaching staff has got their hands full. They've got a very young team, a lot of fast kids that are out there. But, man, it's, 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 it's weird. It's really, it's like I moved to a different city. It, it's really weird, especially for those of us who have been covering yeah. 30 years of future Hall of Fame quarterbacks out there on the field at some point. Mike, great stuff as always, bud. Look forward to the rest of the reports on the OTAs, and we will touch base again soon, okay? Thank you, Bill. Appreciate it, pal. There you go. That's our own Mike Clemens. Good stuff. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow we'll uh, we'll get, you know, everything back. Maybe uh, Spectrum will fix things, and things will be better, and We'll be able to kind of do our job unfettered, so to speak. So, knock on wood, cross your fingers. We paid the bill. We know that. So, until we talk again tomorrow, that's going to do it. 
Always great to talk to Mike. Thanks to everybody for joining the program. Certainly appreciate it. We'll be back at it it tomorrow. Spirited again tomorrow as well. Until we talk again, time for us to go. Have a good one.